Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Mug Recap. It is December 15th, 2021. <laughs> uh, we're getting close to the end of the year, and the days individually start meaning less and less and less, because, fuck it, when's Christmas? That's, that's it. I mean, I'm counting, as a, re- like a retail worker, I'm counting every single day pretty religiously. Because it's like a, a period of like, oh, this is when hell's still going on, and then it ends right around there. So that's good. Uh, I, I I recently had uh, a person who I, I I was helping at the store, and it may be one of the most. It, it's maybe the closest I've ever come to physically assaulting a customer, uh, because okay. they just. I, I'll preface it not because they did something. They just very annoying to me, and it just started okay. with this person constantly asking. If we have different t-shirts, which is fine. We're a t-shirt store. Primarily, I can look for t-shirts for you. And then anytime I'd offer an alternative, like be like, all right, this person's looking for a typo negative t-shirt. We don't have that typo negative t-shirt. Here's a different typo negative t-shirt. I'll hold it up. Would you like this one? And it's like, well, what's that? Typo negative t-shirt. Was it a t-shirt? Yes. It's like, what do you... (laughs) I don't know what you mean. And it would be with like seven or eight of these in a row. And eventually they settle on, all right, I will take that t-shirt. Can you hold on to it for me? And if you worked in retail long enough, you know, that's code for, put that aside. I'm never coming back for it. I will not pick up that t-shirt. It'll never be sold. So I'm like, all right, fine. I throw it behind the register. Person walks out. Like four hours go by. This is like Saturday, like, 3 p.m. I think is when he comes in. It's like 7 p.m. when he comes back. I'm just folding t-shirts. And he comes in. And you have to understand, it was like probably 20 minutes of helping this guy. And when he came in, he looked me dead in the eye. And he said, did you get any more t-shirts in? Completely earnestly. And I I stared at him. I was like, when, when did you think they come in? <laughs> like, do you think we get midday shipments? Do you think we got new product? <laughs> you know, they just come airlifted in in the middle of the day. Just in, like, in the middle of a Saturday. <laughs> in the middle of Christmas. They just bring them right in. Do we have new ones? I wonder if this person's ever been outside of a store. Like, just like, you know, had to stop in a parking lot somewhere at night and seen, like, the moving trucks outside and stuff and just gone like, oh, I wonder what they're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, did not buy the shirt they originally asked for. Came Gosh! in. Came in. At someone across the store asked how much the price of our T-shirts is. And I said, I was like, $22. And the guy, the guy that I have the problem with started laughing like that was an insane price. I was like, all right asshole why don't you get the fuck out of the store if you find the price is so goddamn hysterical and then just i didn't say that obviously and then he just eventually left and i was like fuck i hate people i don't <laughs> i don't know just not a crazy amount for a t-shirt no I mean, we were been- we were twenty dollars for a long time and then they raised our rent on us so now we kind of have to raise our prices to to actually you know stay in business but like $22 is pretty average for most places considering this is a store one dude owns. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would be, it'd be different maybe if you were like, oh, yeah, you know, Walmart quality t-shirts, $22 or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Walmart, so. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that leads us not at all directly into the recommendation. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on, wait. Uh, and then 
Uh, as he was walking by, I saw a mom with her son, and she seemed very happy about her son's, uh, sexual orientation <laughs> that he's not quite out with. I think our son is gay, is the name of the manga. Oh, that segue worked perfectly. <laughs> Uchi no Musuko wa Tupun Gay, uh, as the Japanese title, is written by an artist who goes by Okura. And it is was originally published on the, I did not know this was the thing, Gangan Pixiv website. I know I'm familiar with Pixiv as a website. A lot of art gets posted there and stuff. I didn't know that it had like magazines uh. per se on it, but apparently. Uh, so it has been published on there for uh, since August of 2019. A couple of volumes of it are out. It's a short form manga. Each chapter is about four-ish pages long, I would say, somewhere around there. And it uh, is very straightforward. It's it's not too far from what you would imagine from a, a series by its title. Uh, it is about, is narrated by the mother of a family. Uh, one of her two sons is seemingly gay. I, I have to stress seemingly. It's not, it, it's not said but yeah, he is. You know, it's it, because the entire point is that he is incredibly obvious about it. Not because he acts stereotypically gay, but because he is a type of person who is very open about the way he feels about certain things, and so he is very open about the fact that he seemingly is very drawn to this male classmate of his, and is very attracted to a certain male body type, etc. And whenever he realizes that he is being super obvious about it, he tries to cover it up with some explanation that just makes it all the more obvious. Fortunately, his mom and his younger brother, who are both very much aware of this, are very, very positive about it. Uh -huh. But they also don't say, oh, well, you're, you're gay. They let him just go yeah. at his own pace and are very positive uh, and are, are very proud of him when he in certain moments and protective him in certain other moments for the most part this is a very cutesy kind of comedic series it depends on you know how what your sense of humor is but it's more it's really a gentle comfortable series through much of it which is just about this parent and this sibling being okay with their family member being gay and not being ready to tell them yet mm -hmm. It is it is a very sweet series. Uh, it's as you mentioned the, the entire kind of joke of it is he's not out, uh, but he'll say things that definitely seem to lean that way that make it very obvious. So it'll be like, mm. oh, I, you know, hey, uh, you ever think like imagine what it'd be like being on the beach? You'd be like, oh yeah, I'd be there with my boyfriend. I mean, g girlfriend, because that's who I would be with. My girlfriend, because I like girls. And the mom's like, whatever you say. And they're, and they're muscly, smooth calves. <laughs> and six-pack abs. And Yeah, I'd love which... to just grind my face across their six-pack abs. What was that, honey? Nothing. Uh, I like girls. No, I'd, and I'd like to see their dick. I mean, wait, hang on. <laughs> it's, I think, um, rather effective at its its initial joke premise of just like, hey, there's this kid. 
He's a very, very sweet kid. He's very nice. He's very kind of clumsy with his words and is kind of saying what he thinks without filtering it. And then realizing afterwards, he's like, oops, I'm not out. And that's the premise. And you're like, okay, I get that joke. It's amusing. They establish a little bit of the relationship because the mom's super supportive. She's like, I think our son is gay and I'll love him no matter what. Basically, pretty much every chapter. Um, and it goes further than that, too, at yeah. times where she's like, I really hope that, you know, he's able to do the things that he wants yes. and live the life that he wants to have. And I look forward to getting to see that. And exactly. it's very, very sweet. So uh, and his little brother is also, as you said, supportive and supportive in also different ways. His younger brother's mm-hmm. big thing is primarily recognizing. I forget what the older brother's name is. Hikori, I want to say or something like that. Um, something along those lines. Anyway, Hiroki. Hiroki. Uh, the younger brother is generally pretty good at pinpointing when Hiroki is like feeling particularly awkward in a conversation and finding a way to change the topic someplace else. Um, you're like, oh, cool. The brother is also very supportive. And we eventually get some stuff later on that suggests the brother potentially might be ace themselves uh, or Maybe. might just be yeah. very young uh, and hasn't hasn't quite figured themselves out yet. But um, yeah, it's 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 very good. Uh, but there was a part of me that for a while was just like, oh, this family's so nice and supportive. Why is the son not out yet? Oh. And then you meet the dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the father um, is <sighs> like, it's weird because he's like, he, you don't hate him. But there is a very real is a very realistic bent to his character that makes his inclusion in the story very, very, very pinpoint hits you in the in the in the heart like it Mm. because he's homophobic. Yes. And he's homophobic in a. I'm not going to say acceptable way but in a way that it is more difficult to call it out. He is a very frustratingly relatable level of homophobic because he is not an outright bigot per se, but he has a lot of the casual microaggressions and things like that that go hand in hand with somebody who is homophobic. And because he is generally seemingly a decent dad in many other ways – It becomes this very frustrating thing that makes you realize why the son probably has so much hesitation about coming out or or really Mm -hmm. accepting those feelings. The the immediate thing that, like, introduces this fact is the dad comes home. He apparently travels a lot for work, um, like, a very long time. It seems like he's gone for, like, weeks at a time. Like, I think he's shown up and from what we read the first two volumes, like, he shows up, like, twice at the house. Yeah, Um, apparently he works abroad. Yeah. So makes sense uh so they're just talking about how there's this new drama on television uh and it's a gay drama and he's like oh yeah all the co-workers at work are talking about it and they're like oh are you gonna watch it and he's like ill two guys that's gross and you're like oh yeah oh and, he, and he's just kind of like yeah you know like people say that apparently it's good but like i mean you know apparently the guy's kissing it and you know that's just weird yeah right? like who would want to see two guys kissing and it's yeah, it it's those things where it's like he shows that he does he's not going to go out and like, you know, raise a big fuss 
out in the street of like gays exist and we have to not let them do anything. But he's very much like not in my backyard, seemingly kind of thing. He it's, doesn't want he's not comfortable with it being in his vicinity. So it's often easier to accept those sorts of people if they were just worse because you'd feel a lot easier just cutting them out of your life or not caring about yeah. their feelings. But when there's like good sides of them too, and they have those sort of microaggressions, you're like, why couldn't you just be an asshole and I could write you off? Like, why, why couldn't it just be easier? There's, there's something just so much more frustrating about the fact that he has just those real weird, tiny ways. Like eventually he makes a joke like, oh, my son, you haven't gotten a girlfriend in a while. You're not gay, are you? Or something like that. You're just like, oh man, <laughs> like dad. Fuck, dude. Because that'd be ridiculous if my son was gay. Yeah. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? Yeah. Like, God. It's it's weird because I wouldn't say this series is dramatic, per se. I wouldn't describe this series that way at all. There are a handful of chapters, though, like any of the ones that tend to include the dad, though, and then a couple others where the mom starts to think about how she's like, oh, right, my son used to play with a boy one time, and then something happened and I never saw that boy come to our house again. I hope that doesn't happen with uh, Hiroki's new friend. I hope, you know, like that's just not going to be the same kind of thing. And there's little bits like that that like tell these miniature kind of like more dramatic stories. I kind of almost found it refreshing that we didn't have to dwell in a lot of the drama for too long because then it like gets right back to the next chapter and it'll be like nope my son's searching for gay men on the internet like naked men on the internet so like oh it's just for anatomy lessons <laughs> that's it okay okay why did you have to search for throbbing though like well <laughs> uh, uh, for a particular ailment that's uh, uh, i'm which... starting to be a doctor <laughs> um yeah, I, I found this series to be very cute, but at times it 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 is not like heavy. It's I, I don't think I'd call the series heavy, but it does hit in a way that you're like, oh, like, all right, this isn't all completely fun in games. Yeah, um, to sum it up, I think that the series like gets it mm -hmm. uh, in terms of this is a a unique way of portraying a particular aspect of, you know, LGBTQ life that we haven't seen a whole lot of in, you know, the manga that we've read, because usually, you know, it's portrayed differently. And the coming out of the closet aspect of it is, you know, if it is feature, if it features gay or trans or anything hmm. in, in that uh, general uh, genre uh, then it's you know oh a character finds out and it's a big deal and then each different thing is a big deal and stuff this character this relationship dynamic of the person knows but isn't saying anything and it's you know in a positive way I don't think I can remember any manga featuring that for the life of me mm. like yeah they, they know and that's you just know that they know and the other character doesn't know that they know or is in denial that they know. Um, but that allows it to explore a lot of different things that, you know, you can't really explore otherwise. Like the 
kind of questions of, okay, well, what do I do about this? How do I help this person that I care about? I can't tell them that I know because they're not ready to tell me. Uh, how do I express support? And there are some really, really nice moments in this, I feel like. Uh, like uh, Yuri, the younger brother, like you say, he'll steer the conversation away from stuff that Hiroki is uncomfortable with because, you know, that's the only thing he can really do in that situation. Uh, his mom does a really cool thing when they're having that conversation about the drama where she just says, oh, have you watched it yourself? And he's like, huh, no. Well, maybe if you gave it a try, maybe then you'd see that you were actually kind of okay with it and you would be, you know, more, more willing to, you know, have those kinds of things be surrounding you. And the guy's dad's just kind of like shamed or not willing to push back on it. And, mm -hmm. you know, Hiroki feels a lot better because yeah. his mom brought that positive thing forward to the conversation. Um. This is definitely a series that I think is very, very easy to recommend. Like, eh, you know, give it a try for a little bit uh, because there are, you know, for the most part, it's a comfortable kind of thing. It is LGBTQ, you know, representation of manga, which is nice. It's very positive and wholesome. Um, there's not a whole lot of meat to it, obviously. But I think that what it provides is very valuable because of the fact that you don't see much of this in particular in anything. Yeah. And that makes it very interesting. A little interesting note as well is that Okora uh, mentions in the second volume that they actually came out to their mom in between the first and second volumes releasing. Aww. So it, it does add a different, an interesting layer of context to a story about a mother being there to support her 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 gay child uh and then akora basically saying like yeah and i wanted because my mom's always been worried about me i i wanted to you know let her know that everything i was like i wanted to recommend this manga and show her everything about it and it's it's a very sweet little like end of like volume little addition to see that's very very sweet yeah yeah i i, I would definitely recommend this as well this is like a super light kind of series to read and it, it is just it's enjoyable i don't know if i would say it's hysterical or anything like that but it's it, it definitely is like kind of like a, a chicken soup for the soul kind of like ah this feel i feel good after reading this yeah and it's very easy to just you know have, because you can't get into the weeds with it because it's just okay a couple, couple of stories and that's it you just you know it's it's done until you know if you want to try out another volume or whatever exactly so, yeah it's yeah nice easy reading thing exactly good recommendation now, nick oh thank you yay i had one again <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while no hold on i'm gonna go to the recommendation list we're gonna see you came up with some okay. real classics uh recommended series i don't feel like the note like the way this is going hold on wait reviewed series that's what i have to click all right we'll okay. go straight down here i went too far okay. i went i went way too far why do we why do we go down that far imperial guards that wasn't great or you know what yeah. it wasn't great it gave us a memorable moment of non-memorable though monkey peak was not good no <laughs> but it was fun. You don't have to. You don't have to justify it. Kenichi. I mean, it well, was that was bad on purpose. It, yeah, it was statistics. Whatever you were going for it. Alice in Borderland. That was a good one. That was a good one. I think that one you nailed it. 
It's definitely a good episode, at least. Okay. Uh, All right. So just had to go back to August. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for proving me wrong. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You've been killing it, buddy. Don't you worry. <laughs> and the streak continues. <laughs> wipe that dust off your shoulder. Never didn't have it. All right. Let's. <laughs> Anyway, now that we've had a nice, easy-to-consume manga to talk about, let's get into chapter 337 of My Hero Academia. Real easy. <laughs> All right. A Disposable Life is our chapter title. Uh, so, the last time we had Deku confronting Aoyama, who had been revealed was the spy. Hagakure was there, too. Uh, but we don't resume immediately there instead we cut back to all for one way back to have dobby saying to him hey so if one of your friends gets caught doesn't that mean we're screwed and all for one's like no you see say that your 100 yen lighter fizzles out what would you do and i kind of feel like dobby just goes like why the fuck do i need a lighter i, I <laughs> when my friends succeed i rejoice should they fail i think oh what a shame and after that brief disappointment i set move on to the next viable route for my plan yeah he says i set move on that doesn't really make grammatical sense whatever he's super smart you guys he's he's playing 50d chess because he's got all these moving parts and all these pawns they're less like friends and more like disposable tools. And I say, hip hip hooray for any slight excitement they can inflict. <laughs> I did not read that line before. <laughs> the idea of all for one be like, hip hip hooray! <laughs> hip hip hooray! <laughs> First of all, that's very silly. <laughs> Secondly, I'm very tickled at this. <laughs> Like, he gets his meal at Burger King, and he reaches into his bag of fries and sees an onion ring, and he's like, oh, joy, hip hip, hooray, for me! And then he hits a button and blows up a school. <laughs> Thank you, underpaid worker, for giving me this extra treat. Now give me your quirk. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm kind of reaching the end of my patience with all for one uh. and his bullshit so look this has kind of been something that i've been just sort of had simmering ever since i first heard the english voice for all for one and decided i didn't like it and then i watched after that the uh first my hero academia movie and it it it, it deals with a villain who is you know completely original and has a plot completely unrelated to anything else but then it turns out they were given powers by all for one. And it's like, well, why, why did you include this? Why, why, why does this happen? I mean, like, and of course, the entire theater, which is full of fan fanboys and fangirls are like, oh, my God. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, come on. What the fuck ever? So that's been going on for a bit. And now I feel as though I'm just kind of like, OK, so all for one makes this big deal about, oh, I see all of the many different paths that can take me to my goal. When really he's basically just throwing shit at the board 
And then whatever sticks, he'll act like it's the most genius thing ever. And then if it fails, he's just like, well, I mean, I threw 500 things at the board. You know, it doesn't matter if one of them fails because I'm that much of a genius. Yeah. If I mean, there's a, a couple of different ways that like things could go uh, in terms of like what's going on with he and Shigaraki. I kind of feel like now I don't want to see Shigaraki just get redeemed and be like one of the last people to sit, stand up against all for one as a hero or whatever. I want Shigaraki to just kill him and call him out for all of his stupid bullshit and taking credit for things he doesn't deserve praise over because that would be a great edgelord thing for Shigaraki to do. Just be like, fuck you, old man. So. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 no, I, I do agree with you on that. I, I, I've, I've certainly been reaching a point where I was like, why don't I ever consider All for One one of the more interesting villains in Jump? Like, why has he never been in consideration? Like, this series has been running for, like, what, five years now? Something like that? Maybe longer? I don't even remember. It's been running for that long, and All for One has kind of been the antagonist for most of it. It was Shigaraki for a very long time, and then All for One came into it. Why have I never considered All for One to be, like, a real villain of the year candidate? And I'm like, Maybe it's because he's just not that interesting of a villain when I get right down to it. Like, I want to like this guy more, but I just don't feel like he's the puppet master he's explaining himself to be. I like the backstory and, you know, like the creation of his own worst enemy thing uh, that we end up doing. Um, But... It does feel as though he's just like a very default Machiavellian kind of character, and he's just not very interesting in how he does it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, there was a thing that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a big involving, thing. Involving characters that I at least care about. So Ayama's parents try and get him to away from Deku which I don't know if they're thinking through this plan very well. Deku has super speed, but anyway. Uh, Honey, throw your pocket change at him. He'll be <laughs> blinded by poverty and pick up the change. <laughs> um, Aoyama thinks to himself how the fact that he was born quirkless caused both of his parents great dismay because, uh, you know, they, they fretted over him. Uh, and they had these resources to do something about it. And then they ended up hearing a rumor about someone who would give him a quirk. And then uh, when he had the quirk, it didn't work for him very well. It bothered his stomach and stuff. But uh, you all raised me while I was still grappling with that. And that was because you feared me being different. And my own dreams sprang from that desire to conform. At some point, I hoped to give back as you to have... There's another typo here. As you too, not to you, not to you, T-W-O, had done so much for me. Uh, So there's this very interesting, like, very sad kind of note here about, oh, they just were worried about their son being like, you know, treated like Bakugo treated Deku. Mm -hmm. And that was why they did this stuff, Uh, which obviously does come into play in a little bit. Um but uh, so there also is, you know, like this feeling of guilt that Aoyama has uh, came even before he ended up getting used by all for one. This feeling of guilt over, you know, his parents doing this much for him. 
and he had to do stuff for all for one because he was in their debt and then uh, they were in his debt rather and then after that he got in too deep because you know they didn't say no the first time because i mean he would have done something bad to them the first time but now he'll do something even worse this time uh and ayama says that you know when i learned that like me you were born quirkless from that note you left us i fell into utter despair it's like yeah that makes sense you know deku was like him and so he feels that connection so he feels extra guilty over you know betraying him but uh he's still got to get away so he tries to turn his naval laser against deku and Hagakure does something. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, she uses her invisible invisibility to refract the laser and redirect it harmlessly into a tree. We have seen her refract light and stuff uh, before, so yeah, that makes sense that she can affect the laser that way. It is a supremely cool moment. I actually, I, I completely say like I had mentioned last week, where I was like, maybe Hagakure will do something, and I, I was given that moment this i think is a very cool moment for her and uh then she says you know look after all this time you know we could have been killed and now japan is like totally messed up uh and then she gets a real dramatic moment because she says what was going through your head this whole time in school with us and when it happens we see her in silhouette but it's not to show that she is a shapely woman like the first time we saw this a couple of chapters ago. <laughs> it wasn't to give an emphasis on her, her B-cup. Uh, no, it's to show her face yeah. for the first time. Now people know what she looks like. Yeah, people have actually been curious about this for quite a while. And you could also see her hairstyle. Hooray. So, but uh, It looks like she has a lot of hair. You could, I wonder if, theoretically, this is just theoretically, that? you could use portions of her hair to construct a suit that would still allow her to use her powers without having to justify that she walks around everywhere naked. I mean, I guess there's not another hero that's already had that kind of explanation given for why their suit works when a power kind of justifies saying it wouldn't. And you've seen what happens if, you know, they like don't wear the suit is that they actually are naked. So it's a good thing that they do have that specially made suit. Yeah. 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 uh, Because my thought was like, maybe she has no hair. And then, you know, maybe they just don't have any material to work with. She has a lot of hair, I think. I think they can make a suit out of her and they they don't have to make her fucking walk around naked everywhere. One thing I actually want to say about the way that her appearance is kind of designed here is she looks a little bit like disheveled and not like prim and perfect but mm-hmm. it's like yeah that makes perfect sense if no one was ever gonna see it who like, would yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna spend time fucking <laughs> combing my hair if no one's gonna see it right um so uh she demands that Oyama say something in response to that and of course he has no answer he's you know under too much emotional dismay uh, his parents start to step in, but Deku's like, shut up, we're talking. He uses black whip to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, he restrains the two of them with black whip, and he also sh- pushes Aoyama to the ground and holds him there. And he says, listen, Aoyama, Hagakure just did you a favor. She doesn't want you hurting anyone else. So come on, let's just stop this. Just let this be over. And for the time being, it's over. Uh, that we, we just cut the scene there and then cut over to UA 
Aoyama and his parents are restrained and sitting in chairs in front of um, the responsible people, I guess we'll just say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, some authorities, Sukochi is there, All Might, Nezu, uh, present Mike. Ectoplasm, I get. I mean, sure, why not? You know, sure, he could be there too. Why yeah. not? He's important enough, I guess. He's a vital character. Uh, also, Class 1A is there, and Neza says, May I ask you children to leave the room? And they're like, No. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Sucks to suck, dude, but we're not leaving. Um, uh, Ojiro says, What were you planning to do if Hagakure hadn't caught you? And they're like, touching each other so ojiro hagakure ship confirmed guys there you go um but uh they, they everyone just kind of demands a, an explanation in various ways ayama is still crying but he's like not ugly crying anymore he's just like got a really sad look on his face and tears are streaming down his eyes which is extra distressing to me um and uh you know his dad says like we can't say anything we don't know anything and if we he just tells us what to do and if we fail he'll kill us uh and Suguchi's like how would he kill you <laughs> she's like all right dick he's yeah. the most powerful villain on the planet use your imagination <laughs> um and Aoyama's dad says, oh, he gave us a demonstration. He killed a dude who had surrendered him to the police and stuff. And wherever we try to run, if you try to protect us, no matter what, he's going to kill us. And look, uh, the, the, look, let, let Yuga go. Just look, leave him and, and arrest us, punish us and all this and everything. But uh, Aoyama thinks about what's, what uh, Hagakure challenged him with before and says that your deaths could have well been on my head. Yet I found myself smiling alongside you all as if we were truly friends. And then we learned that Midoriya is also quirkless. Yet he faces the crushing task that is standing up to all for one. And I despaired when I realized how pathetic I am compared to him. Rather than express concern for Midoriya, I wallowed in my own misery, which sent me spiraling even deeper. I'm rotten to the core. I am a villain through and through. So, yeah, he's just, like, throwing himself a guilt party, basically. Which, when he lays it out like that, yeah, I get you. Yeah. That's a shit to feel shitty about, so. Um, but Deku says, why did you try and save Kachan and Tokuyami way back in the forest when you left me the cheese message that night? The cheese! The cheese! <laughs> Did all for one order you to do that, too? Of course not. And I'm kicking myself for not realizing that that was your SOS to me. And the reason you're bawling your eyes out now clearly isn't because you failed all for one. I happen to know a hero who got manipulated by him. Yes. Yeah. What's her name, Deku? What's her name? Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe she's dead. I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> she was... Not Mount Lady. She's the one with the butt. Although, that one had a butt that wouldn't quit. Deku, please. Not the time for that. Remember her name. Her name. Something. McFire. McShoot shoot McFire. Gun. Gun Buck barrel. Saku was like, it wasn't fire. <laughs> no. Really? Didn't she have, like, green burning fire stuff? No, that's Endeavor's sidekick. Who's oh. Endeavor? <laughs> 
He just stops knowing any character. <laughs> he stops knowing pro heroes. <laughs> uh, but he says, like, listen, you know, you're not like you're just like her because her she didn't sell her whole soul. Her spirit was crushed. Using a little bit of confusing language, I kind of get it though. Like, don't don't you, look. Don't use like the soul and the spirit like in the same two sentences also she's not dead <laughs> like, is she yeah did, don't didn't they confirm that she was still alive like the the bomb blew up but they're like she's fine yeah. well, well maybe never see her again but i thought they established she was alive like i guess in emergency care maybe they maybe she's still in like a dangerous spot but like he says i happen to know a hero and i'm like i don't think she's been pronounced dead <laughs> But Deku uses this moment to literally and figuratively reach out to Aoyama because he says, doing wrong doesn't make you a villain for the rest of your life. Take my hand, Aoyama. You can still be a hero. And in the moment he offers his hand to Aoyama, Bakugo and all of his character development goes, bing! And he goes like, oh, that's why he reached out his hand to me <laughs> in chapter one. <laughs> Or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, th this is, I think, going to be our first really big demonstration of like, yes, Deku can actually help redeem people and not have it literally <laughs> blow up in his face when he tries to do so. <laughs> um, so I, I like all the stuff with Ay Ayama. I think it's a good character moment for him. And, and I do feel emotional for him. I did get a little annoyed at the Deku speech though if only because like <sighs> I feel like it's going it's it's weird to repeat it but like it's a weird thing to read contextualize Lady Nagant's entire backstory of like I also knew a hero who was you know done in dirty by all for one I was like wasn't Lady Nagant's big thing though that she was fucked over by the hero system like wasn't that her like I know all for one's the one who put a bomb in her and blew her up but like I don't know. I feel like we continue to like ignore any structural problems that exist in the world in all for in uh, my hero, and we just go to like, there's a bad guy, and if we all punch him together, we're gonna solve all of our problems. And he just like starts singing under his breath, like hero to a good to hero. hero. Like, no, that's my thing. That's my thing. That's the only thing I get to do. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> nope, I already sung it. You can't take it back. It's gonna say from Deku on the album. <laughs> It's just, it's just like releases a B side hero two by Deku featuring I don't know some other people. It's just hero two. Um, it gets to like the, uh, the the bridge and he's like, shit. Oh, how's this part go? Hang on, let me look up Jiro's lyrics. I mean, my lyrics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and so, like in the end, I I I do like this chapter. I just think I'm I'm kind of coming to a point where similarly to the point where I realized I don't care that much about all for one. I don't really like Deku that much as a like protagonist either. Um, I find some of his stuff inspiring, but like, I don't know, this is a moment that was just like, I don't know. It's weird because I think that knowing Deku as this kid who had a great heart and a lot of potential was a lot more satisfying than seeing what all that potential grew into to this point so far because 
And I think that it comes down to it makes him less unique as a Shonen Jump action series protagonist. As in the guy who just always believes in the good of people and reaches out to them and say it tries to save them no matter what. It doesn't emphasize the qualities that made Deku very different when he first showed up at the start of the story. Mm. So I get your point. Uh, I have less uh, or rather, I guess, more patience uh, for it. But I definitely see your point. And I haven't been thrilled about Deku in a while. So, yeah, I get you. I kind of want to go back to stinky Deku beat up bad guys. I don't know why. <laughs> Even though that was shown to be objectively the wrong way for him to li- live his life. I kind of <laughs> like stinky Deku walk around beating up bad guys. I don't know, man. I, just, I didn't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on, Nick. Let's talk about Undead Unluck number 91. Go on and play! As uh, Andy shouting out, playtime's just getting started. I'm sending Fuko to you, to your core. And one uh, play sounds like some really badly misremembered offspring lyrics or something. Yeah. Go on and play. You're an all star. Yeah. That's not what I meant, but okay, keep going. <laughs> well, it almost sounds like an all star lyric. Uh, anyway, Rip's attack is not quite able to get through to the core. The blades are just a little too fragile. Uh, I do like Rip kind of being like, hey, come here, break. They're not that versatile, all right? <laughs> like, fuck off. He's like, um, you shut the fuck up. Also, I'd like to see you summon awesome blades. Yeah. Uh, Put the, your sword away. Shut up. <laughs> the group is uh, starting to to have some issues. The, the cherry blossoms are starting to overwhelm them. But uh, Spring starts calling out like, ah, oh, I shall send you more ter- cherry blossoms. And he looks at the back and he's like, blossoms hello why aren't the blossoms why can't i draw out my blossoms and then he looks back to the tower and says hey nice save there you sigh and we see you sigh's ability is undraw so now you won't be able to draw out any new flower petals which i kind of wish we had known her ability was undraw first because this is an interesting way of implying draw yeah it seems to be in the sense of drawing a katana yeah uh which when i actually got this reveal i was like oh that makes her seem like way less of a badass because it means she just cheats her way through all <laughs> i was gonna say right you now. can't attack slash, 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 slash. <laughs> fuck you <laughs> uh but it is great because uh andy is like good job nothing i'd expect less from my former girlfriend and then kind of stops and or Fuko rather, I guess, interrupts and it's just like, oh, come on now. She's not your girlfriend. And he's like, are you angry? She's like, why? Why would I be angry? It's like, I'm your girlfriend. He's like, oh, shit. I didn't mean to say that. Look, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean it. And uh, I do like how Rip has to come and be like, uh, the, the building is walking towards us now. You can't sit around fucking talking about this bullshit. Because uh, Spring has now covered himself in cherry blossoms and he's shielding himself. Uh oh. And they're like, oh, we'll we'll just rip through those and destroy it. Like, you can't do that. All of those trees are real people. And Rip's like, we don't have time. I don't, I don't know how to tell you. I don't give a shit. Andy looks about and sees the state of like their group. Top's at his limit. He can't run with Unstoppable anymore. 
Shakara can't move, so you won't get any unmoves going forward. And they need to figure out something to get past the Cherry Blossoms. Uh, so Billy calls out to Tatiana and says, You're there with Billy, ain't ya? Stuff that thing down his mouth and bring him here quick. And a thousand fanfics were launched off of that line alone. I'm sure, yes. Uh, Tatiana runs up and just shoves a gigantic piece of cake into his mouth. The, like, long, <laughs> like... I don't know what you call it, rectangular fucking loaf of cake that he used to make for her so she could actually eat. Right, right. Uh, and she says, I'm still alive today because of those sweets that you made for me. And after you left, I fell into a depression. So Andy started making them for me in your place. But you see, they were lousy. <laughs> and he's like, hey, you told me they were good. And she's like, that's why I want to make them with you again. So, well... Since you betrayed us for being weak, Top Chakara and I decided to work hard to get stronger. And I think we got good and strong. All of us did. So what I'm asking is, will you come back and fight with us? And she's all teary. You can tell because her giant orb has a teary eye. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Andy asks that the signal be cut so that they can have a moment of privacy for this. And Andy says, you guys are all strong. None of you are running away from your fates. You're all doing what you need to do. So I can't afford to run away either. Otherwise, that'd be unfair, wouldn't it? We get the word unfair highlighted yet again when it comes to Billy. Uh, And she says, you can't come back? He's like, no, because that's what I need to do. So I simply won't come back. That's all. And he's like, ah, I get what you has meant. Unluck will, no. Undead and unluck will negate destiny. And I can't well very well have them turn to cherry trees before the fight with God. So, yeah, I'll lend a hand. And we uh, cut over to Tella momentarily, who's seemingly listening in on all this. And uh, Billy finishes by saying, it's a thanks for the tasty treat, that is. So, hey, boom, we're going to get uh, Billy working together with the heroes. They, they, they come in we have two undeads now being uh able to do all this and it, and billy like rides in on tatiana is just like hey cut me and it's like oh cool you're acting more and more like an undead and uh tatiana shouts leave the trees to me so she's gonna be out there doing that and uh hey nick guess what <laughs> we're gonna see unbalance again because billy's yeah. like hey stupid idiot move you made the trees look like a castle Dumb fuck. Now I can make now I can manipulate them with unbalance. <laughs> yeah, he just rips all the trees straight off of him. And uh Andy prepares to attack Billy with a, a big strike. And because uh, Billy is undead, it could go straight through him and then directly into spring. And we get Andy's big cool super katana blood attack. Great deep crimson unchanging crescent moon. We end the chapter with him shouting out to to Fuko, go in and play with Spring. Yeah, it's a cool attack. Uh, I like the way that, you know, you see like Andy's body like positioned on the follow through. Um, And there were some nice moments. I really wasn't actually expecting that we would have this moment between Tatiana and Billy. And uh, there is a lot more of like a relatability kind of thing that is being emphasized with Billy's motivations as opposed to he betrayed us uh, more and more. It seems like, mm-hmm. yeah, he had, he has some sort of really good reason for it. And he clearly 
does not want to just like murder the fuck out of all of his friends in order to accomplish it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that develops after this arc is done. So this was a fun chapter overall. I was very surprised and amused by the moment where we see Billy with the cake just shoved in his fucking mouth because it's the least dignified he's looked since he, you know, turned a bad guy. So. Yeah, I think this is a very cool chapter. Um, I do also like yeah, that Billy's not going back on it, but it is like, hey, let's work together here. And I'm starting to see what Juez was talking about. Hmm. All right, let's go ahead and do Kaiju number eight. Eight. Yes. That's my sound effect for this one now. Okay. (laughs) Chapter 52. (laughs) Don't you like it? I feel like you don't like it. I didn't say that. So (laughs) we start this with a flashback. Narumi remembering a conversation he had with Isao, who was wearing... Papa glasses. Yes, I am dignified and educated to this. I do paperwork and stuff. Yes. Uh, And he basically says that once he has finished assembling the strongest division, I plan on completely stepping down from combat. Uh, So effectively, I'm just a few months away from retirement. (laughs) Uh, And he just says that he's leaving the nation in Narumi's hands, basically. Uh, In the present... Uh, they see uh, Isao's form, you know, amongst Kaiju number nine's body. And Kafka starts to say, thank goodness you're all right. But then he realizes what's going on and he shouts out to, a warning to Narumi because it's not the director general. And as we had discussed the possibility of last time, Kaiju number nine has taken over his body. Uh, so the. Kaiju number nine, Isao th- shoots a blast at them. They, they evade it. And then he takes on his monstrous appearance, his new monstrous appearance, which has more muscles. Uh, and Kafka just thinks to himself, oh, my God, it's so much stronger. Is this really the same Kaiju number nine? Uh, Narumi tries to reach Isao on the communicator. But uh, Kaiju number nine says, Isao, you mean the suitable one? I killed him and fused with him. And he's got Isao's communicator earpiece uh, in his fingers. So it's like, yeah, I guess he's not lying. Okay, so Isao is super dead. Okay, cool. Uh, Narumi starts to say, who in the hell would believe that? But uh, Kikaru gets to it first because she's faster. And uh, she dies in from above, shooting her gun. Uh, Kaiju number nine, uh, who... Seemingly does not even bother to block the blasts, just kind of absorbs it. Uh, and uh, she, he looks at her with one of Isao's eyes, which clearly freaks her out. Uh, Narumi gets in as it's preparing a blast and tries to slash it with his sword gun, sword, sword gun. Uh, and he also uses the Kaiju number one uh, ret- reticule eye thing and. Uh, and Kaiju number nine just says as he gets slashed and blasted repeatedly. Oh, so this is the inescapable attack that you used on Beta. Okay. Boom, 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 slash, slash, boom, boom, slash, boom. Narumi thinks about the conversation he had with Isao and says, I'm going to personally neutralize this once and for all. But Kaiju number nine just backs up, grows what look like giant moth wings and says, yeah, I'm going to call it a day. 
Yeah, I, I just bonded with this guy, and uh, I am pooped. I just consumed this dude and his entirety and his consciousness and his spirit, and I am tuckered out. Whoo! Putting that good old nine to five, though. You know what I'm saying? Hard working, harder, hardly working. Hey, <laughs> I don't nine, really know. <laughs> more like nine to two, right? Because guys, you never die. <laughs> you got me. Yeah, you <laughs> I, I, I hate your dad. I understand. Okay. You're probably a little emotional because I murdered your dad, your father, and the force of this. But that's a way home where you're going to laugh about it and be like, I get it, nine to two. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm leaving now. I will kill you the next time. Okay. <laughs> It is probably my favorite Kaiju number nine moment in like a few months. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave now. All right. Bye. I'm going to sprout butterfly wings and just fly away. Uh, Narumi goes to use his strike from above, blast myself downward into a devastating impact thing. Uh, but Kaiju number nine just says as it hits him. Oh, yeah, that power is really useful when you deal with, like, enemies in smaller numbers. But if your enemy has superior defensive abilities, then uh, you're powerless. And he's just caught the blade in his hand and is looking up as if he's going to fire his laser at Inarumi at point-blank range. But, hey, Kafka's here. He's doing a rocket punch from below. And he demands that uh, they give the director general back, fires a super punch. And Kafka number nine says, last time I was helpless. But this time I see through you, Kaiju number eight. And in the middle of blocking Nurumi's attack, he has just caught Kafka's punch and completely negated its power. And that's where we end the chapter. Oh, they're fucked. There you go. I, I It's a cool chapter. As I said, I, I think now so I'm just going to start to get a little bit more excited about what Kaiju number eight's doing. I don't know what I'm. There's a part of me that's like, I kind of don't want Kaiju number nine to get away and be an antagonist in another arc down the line or whatever. Like, part of me is like, I don't know if he's there that interesting enough. But then another part of me is like, kind of want to move on to something else. So, I don't know. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I, I, I do think it's a cool moment at the end, though. Yeah, they definitely don't have uh, main villain energy about them, mm. but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's good. Let's go over to Spy Family. It's mission 57. Hey, Anya's back in school after her awesome yacht trip adventure, and she is on her way to class, and she's thinking to herself about telling everyone about it, and she goes and uh, she sees... Um, oh, it's... Uh, and Becky? Becky. Becky. Yeah, remember yeah. Becky with the good hair. Why would I remember that? That's the, the Beyonce line, wasn't it? Is it? Yeah, didn't she have some line in one of her songs being like, oh, you with Becky with the good hair or whatever? And people were theorizing it was Taylor Swift or some shit like that. You could tell me that... Beyonce's remember that song. song Beyonce had where she talked where she really laid down on Spider-Man like she really came after him not like the figurative hero the literal hero as though he were a real person she's like why didn't you stop 9-11 Spider-Man you should have done something see I don't know if you're exaggerating <laughs> completely fabricating or something in between mm-hmm mm-hmm Maybe there's more truth to that than it seems like on the surface is my point. <laughs> there because could be a song, song about Spider-Man. 
That's how many Beyonce songs there have been that I have never listened to. Anyway. Let's move on to something. Okay, so (laughs) Anya starts bragging about her awesome vacation. No, not her vacation. The grand saga set upon the sea. Little did I realize the adventure I had embarked upon when I crossed the gangplank onto the grandest luxury liner in all of Australia. And Becky and uh, Dante both go, oh my god, really? You went on that awesome legendary ship? Seriously? Oh man, Anya, you forgers are solely worthy of visiting my house. And it turns out that Anya's just imagining the whole thing. She's imagining how aw- how in awe everyone's gonna be, and she's like, yes, Super Agent Anya will complete Plan B. <laughs> and of course, Becky, fucking I shit on a golden toilet, and then throw the golden toilet away, because that's how rich I am, says... Oh, okay, so you didn't do anything special. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love that moment of like, oh, wow, everyone's going to be blown away. Oh, so nothing special, huh? <laughs> and Anya's trying to talk about how great it was, how cool, cool the ship was. And she's like, oh, yeah, I saw it on it before school started. It was all right. <laughs> yeah, it was okay, I guess. Uh, yeah, a little tacky. Yeah. Oh, man. That, not Dante, Damien, right? That's his Damien, name. Damien, yeah. Damien. His friends are talking about it. I was like, oh, man, you traveled third class and you're not embarrassed to talk about it. Jeez. Uh, and Becky says, like, yeah, I wanted to meet the star Beyonce. So we got her to party with. I forgot Beyonce was brought up in this. <laughs> not really, but <laughs> might as well. Uh, and you know, the longer it goes on, people are just, you know, being drawn to Becky about how awesome her vacation was. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah, well, um, on my boat, there were a hundred super infamous villains. And they're like, what villains? Like from TV? What show? Yeah. Um, some of them came from foreign lands like Sickly Chain Bartleby. <laughs> She still can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> and of course, all of them are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so then they, they're they like, what, are you talking about like a circus troop? No, no, no. Notorious villains were on my ship. And uh, they, some of them came from beneath the sea itself. They were horrible octopeople. And she imagines the assassin as an octopus person. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I stabbed them all to death. Well, my mom did, but so I was there, so yeah. counts. I helped a little bit. I get assist money, <laughs> and if I have the right support items, I get regular money. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh god damn it! I've been watching too much Arcane. It makes me think about leaks. Oh, <laughs> we we need to talk about Arcane sometime. Really good. Like, <laughs> there you go. You're on board. <laughs> And really gay. <laughs> um, uh, so everyone's just really interested in Becky and the awesome vacation that she had. Damien and his friends, the way that they're drawn, they're just further up in the student bleachers, but it looks like they're like on a giant podium overseeing everything, which I'm sure is the way Damien imagines it. But uh, they're like, oh, man, she's quite the fabulous, huh? And Damien's like, yeah, I could watch this all day. In a way that's a little bit weird, and I don't know if it's meant to reflect the fact that he's still kind of like weirdly interested in Anya, or if he's just being a weird douchebag like all the rich kids are. I don't know. 
Anyway, the professor comes in and they're like, I'm sure that you all made great use of your midterm break. And one of the fucking asshole kids says, yeah, Anya says she spent hers killing Octo people. And the teacher just goes, oh, did she? Good for her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, isn't that cute? (laughs) All the kids laugh. Anya looks horrified. Poor Anya. Um, Afterwards, Becky is comforting Anya, being like, hey, it's human nature to want you to puff yourself up sometimes. You shut the fuck up, Becky. You and your richness. Shut up. Uh, But she says, if that helps you become the person you want to be, there's nothing wrong with that. And Anya takes comfort from this. Up until the one loser reject kid, whose name I have forgotten, walks by and says, but be careful not to lie too much, or you're going to become an outcast like me. Honestly, the chapter could have just ended. Right yeah, I, I in my mind, every time I think about the chapter, it does end there, and then I forget it goes on a little bit further. Yeah, it's it's just like a two and a half pages, basically. And Becky, not Becky, Anya goes home. And uh, also, fucking Yuri is there, cause everyone and, loves Yuri, Nick. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Anya talks about like, yeah, so I, I, I kind of like, you know, exaggerated my trip, and my my class kind of made fun of me. Uh, and uh, so Loisar says like, well, why did you feel the need to lie? And Anya's like, oh, I can't tell my dad. It's because I wanted Plan B of his to succeed, because then he'll know I can read minds. So she's like, yeah, I just wanted attention. And then we get a moment where both Lloyd and Yuri uh, feel like saying to her, like, oh, yeah, I lie all the time for my very secret job. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't lie. (laughs) And then Yuri says, yeah, and you should be comfortable with yourself just the way you are. And then afterwards, like all three of the adults are just left going like, oh, man, I've got a lot to think about right now. All of us are kind of bad adults when you think about it. Then Anya just nods because she can read all their minds and goes, yeah, being alive to seem pretty rough, so I guess I should try and stop that. But the dog's really cool. Everyone loves Bond. Oh, yeah, he's got no... He, 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 I don't know if he's capable of lying. <laughs> uh, dog, Nick, my dog the other day tricked me so she could run downstairs and eat all of my chicken parmesan sandwich. So dogs are capable of deception. I'll have you I'll have you know. The proof was the marinara sauce all amongst her mouth, okay? But did your dog tell you that she had fought off octa people from the yacht trip she went on? No, I don't think so. Not so. specifically, she had different terms. <laughs> She's like, look, a squirrel in the backyard. I was like, isn't that what you're supposed to care about? And I turned and that was all she needed and she was downstairs. <laughs> she was eating my sandwich. <laughs> She somehow locked the door behind. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, uh, so this very much feels like a chapter to be like, yeah, we're going back to like just very, very low key spy family stuff. Now we have transitioned fully back into it. Anyway, crazy mission next week, guys. Yeah, good times. Uh, there is no Eden Zero this week, Nick. None. So in lieu of that, uh look up a picture of a butt just type butt into google look at that for a bit and then imagine like a space battle behind you you've done this before nick (laughs) you can't do it again that's actually a nice butt there you go yeah and then just imagine like a spaceship behind or something like that and you got eaten zero this week uh instead let's move on to door run 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 what is this advertising oh it is wait no Oh, okay. Is the butt advertising something? Uh, yeah, it's uh, advertising a plastic surgery studio. So. Oh, okay. You can, people could use that. 
Yeah, but I was confused because it says non-surgical butt lift. So I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I think that's where they take a vacuum, like a super high-powered vacuum, and they just hold it above your butt until it stays there. <laughs> just, we'll just use a lot of <laughs> Oh, that's why all the girls and we never learn had their pants. <laughs> yeah, that's why you can see their panty lines through fucking... Like cargo shorts. <laughs> Just botched non-surgical butt lifts yeah. for all of them. So anyway, Doran, Doran, Doran. Hey, the lady samurai that we've been seeing all over the place is on the case. And uh, apparently she's super awesome and stuff because her some of her nameless comrades are like, you've been leaving everyone in your dust lately. Apparently there's like, a bunch of things that she has resolved. They're like a scoreboard that they keep and hers is so high that like they have to like tape stuff over the board that they tally it on. So she's super awesome and stuff. And they're like, Oh yeah, there was a thing that happened where like a samurai candidate got taken out, but we don't know what happened with it. And, and, but she just says, I'm not going to let a single person die. I'm going on patrol. And we are given a full introduction to the samurai whose name is Genshio Yagyu. Uh, and so she walks off while they're like, oh, man, not wanting anyone to die. I respect that. And then she walks off making a very hideous expression with her mouth while she goes, I won't let anyone die. It'll affect my future promotions. So, all right. I um, I don't know about how I feel about that, but OK. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Dora's in trouble with his landlord because he, you know, didn't get hired as an exorcist. So, you know, he can't make money. So that's not good. Yeah. Landlord's pretty angry. Yeah. He has a conversation with Kusanagi about what they're going to do now. Uh, Kusanagi's like, oh, this is bad. It's all my fault. Uh, This is just because you're always feeding me fancy foods. Dora's like, what? No. No, if you leave, it won't make me any less broke. It's fine. We're going to stick together. Come on. We've got an agreement. Got that? And he points and pushes into Kusanagi's face. Okay. So anyway, that happened. Uh, Anyway, there's a knock on the door. Kusanagi hides. And Dora starts to answer it, thinking it's the landlord again. But it's not. It's Ginchio. And Ginchio says, yeah, I'm with the uh, Izanagi Corps. Uh... And, uh, um, uh, so, um, oh, okay. So the way that this panel is angled, I thought briefly that in answering the door, Dora put his hand over Ginchio's mouth. Oh, I see. Yeah, I could say you could see that. But no, she's just like she's covering her mouth because it's gross. Yeah, like, ew. Uh, Anyway, so Dora's like, well, there's no way she can be on to us. And then Ginchio's like, there's an Izanami. There's I can sense it with my spirit sense. And she dashes past him. And pulls out a sword and is trying to cut Kusanagi, who, of course, dodges around. Uh, Dora grabs Kusanagi and helps try to keep him away. Uh, and is like, Kusanagi, turn into a katana so we can fight her. But Kusanagi refuses because he doesn't want to, you know, kill an innocent person who's just you know trying to do her job. Uh, 
So instead, Dora throws the table at her. Hata! Table flip attack. And uh, immediately, um, Geo is just like, there's a Mononoke behind the parts of the table. I can sense it with my spirit sense. Wait, no. It's the guy, because the silhouette of the aura looks like him. Wait, no, it's not. The, the Mononoke just mimics his hairstyle. And Dora stuck it behind her and puts her in a sleeper hold and says, The old switcheroo worked! Which, all right, so she's just like, Yeah, I let my spirit sense distract me. Anyway, elbow to the ribs. Oh, no, it doesn't work because his abs are made of steel. And uh, Genjiro says, kill me. Go on, Mononoke. It's your chance to kill a samurai. Because Nagi's like, I don't want to fucking fight a samurai. What are you talking about? So Genjiro um, breaks the hold. Man, it's a good thing that you can just, you know, like immediately break the hold just by like running straight forward when someone's got you around the neck. You can just, you know, you just need to run. And then they'll break it. He, he pushes her away, doesn't he? He does. There's a shove sound effect. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. This chapter's flawless. So. Um, <laughs> Dora gets ready to run away with Kusanagi. And Kinchio's like, what the hell, you cowards? And Dora says, well, samurai aren't our enemy. We only slay evil Mononoke. Let's go, Kusanagi. And Kinchio dashes in front of him and blocks his path. And she goes, you pass. And Dora's like, what are you talking about? She says, I was testing you. I mean, I did actually pursue the Mononoke here, and if you were weaklings, there'd be no point. And look, yeah, I know what you're thinking. See, it's super annoying when someone tests or evaluates you without your consent. You know, like when an idiot CEO says, you pass, I'll date you. I hate that. Fucking hate it. And Dora's like, okay, but then you shouldn't test us. And she says, it's okay when I do it. Which... Okay. There was a lot going on in that paragraph. <laughs> like, she is an odd person, and I do appreciate that. It's just a little bit of an odd, like, bam, 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 mm. cadence to it. Uh, and so she essentially says that she was actually testing Dora and Kusanagi's morality and ethics in this moment. And she's like, yeah, I think that you're good people now. Anyway, the landlord shows up because, you know, more damage has been done to the apartment. And it's like and he says, you owe me one million yen, which is an abhorrent amount of money for a an apartment that shitty. Uh, but uh, Ginchio just like hands him a check is like, here, this will cover it because I make a lot of money in the in the Isanagi core. And uh, so the evil landlord runs off being like, yay. Uh, and then they go up on the roof to hang out, and Genshio goes, Finally, my nose stopped running. What a dusty hole. Her nose was running, basically, it was. the entire time they were in the apartment. So, yeah, I guess she was just having an allergic reaction to all the dust in Dora's shitty apartment. Uh, then, uh, they're like, what do you want? And Genshio says, I'm a very effective samurai. And Dora says, so What? And Kusanagi says, ooh, you're important. Which I feel like is an exploitable thing. Like if you just like cut that bit out and just have, ooh, you're important. It's very easy to mock someone with that. Yeah. Anyway. But Kinshia says, look, I'm great and all, but I can't protect the whole town alone. I need strong collaborators. You should cooperate with the samurai. And Dora's like, I mean, am I allowed to do that if I work with a Mononoke? And Ginchio says, I mean, I doubt it, but if there's a chance we could save even one person, I think we should try it. We can report after the results. 
Um, so Dora has some doubts about it, and Ginchi is like, you know, I did just pay your rent. Yeah, money, yay. So, uh, so Dora's like, all right, if this, this is a trick, so you can kill Kusanagi, though, you'll regret it. And Genjiro just kind of like looks at him blankly, and she's like, I mean, I wouldn't do that. I need you two to to advance my career. And Dora says, wait, so it's for your career, not saving people. And she says, well, saving people is synonymous with advancing my career. And career advancement is important to me. Okay. And so they agree with a fist bump slash headbutt in Kusanagi's case. And they say, all right, show me what you've got for my advancement and for my rent. Okay, so, um, yeah. Here we are at the end of chapter three of Doron Dororon. I'm getting the vibe that you didn't love this. No, not really. I, I really want to like it more. Yeah. And I do like, I do kind of like Inchio, but it, at the same time, it makes me realize what I think is my issue with this as a series, which is just that it's not exciting. <sighs> it's quirky, but not in a really fun way. So I will say the new female character, the new lead or side lead, whatever seems like she, she could be very interesting. I do kind of find myself mildly intrigued at a character who's so very focused on career advancement but not in like a cynical way, not like this person's like, I'm going to rise through the ranks to be a monster. There's, there, there seems to be some level of altruism for it. It looks as though from the little one panel flashback, we get like, oh, she's doing it to, to live up to, I don't know, a former teammate of hers that, I don't know, she says just wait, so I guess that character's still alive, Eugen or whatever. Um, but I, I do find the initial concept of that premise intriguing. I just don't know the world is interesting to me right now like i i don't know i'm trying like I'm, I'm trying to find like the hook to get into this world and it's like a boy and his monster which is fine boy's not that interesting no the monster's not crazy interesting but he's cute and that's all that matters yeah, I, I, and that is a very that is a perfectly reasonable thing you know but I, I will say that there's much more exciting things currently going on in Jump. Yes. Now, with three chapters down, we have to ask the question, does this stay in the recap? I honestly cannot even be bothered to answer that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just don't. I don't care. Like, it, I mean, I know that that basically is, like, equivalent to be saying no. But honestly, if you say, we're going to cover it, I'll literally just be like, yeah, all right. I just, just don't care. <laughs> all right, well, I guess we'll cover it then. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I guess we'll cover it. Hey, Nick. It's only gonna be you over for a here. Like, I'm gonna read it anyway. <laughs> well, it's just like, might as well, right? We're gonna, you know. We'll see if it sticks around. Because we have a pretty good track record for picking up series that stick around for a long time. Do we? No. 
<laughs> we we picked up I Tell C, which got canceled. Wow, you you gave up on that track immediately. <laughs> <laughs> then we pick up something else just ended recently. Fuck, what was it? I mean, oh, Nine Balls Dragon Parade ended. Yeah, we were really excited about that one. And there was another one too. Another thing just ended. List of Shonen Jump series. Hang oh, on. I'm blanking on it now. Yeah, it's not. It's not um, good sign. Red Hood. Uh, Red Hood just ended. That's it. Well, yeah, but that one was like, yeah, I guess I, that was an odd one. Yeah, yeah. So I think we should keep the tradition alive, but just picking things that will end <laughs> in twenty chapters. <laughs> Uh well we we did Magu Chan and then we pick, hey we picked up the elusive samurai there we go right? okay so that and we then we, <laughs> and we also said blue box is good but I don't think we should discuss it every week <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the chat's concerned I a hundred percent forgot about Redwood I was like that thing that thing we read I don't remember what it was but it was a thing that we all read and it ended recently <laughs> if you had just said like boobs then I would have remembered it but uh... I didn't I couldn't remember anything about it I was like the thing it was that <laughs> that thing that we read oh man all right, I guess we're gonna read. Uh, we're gonna read another Exorcist series. About, this okay. one to the top, Nick. You can't see it, but I have a WrestleMania sign right up there, and we're gonna straight for it. You know what I feel like we're going to end up doing. I'm not saying I want this to happen, but I feel like it is the route that's going to go. Is that we're going to close on Doron Dorororon at chapter. 17 and then we're gonna be like well ayashimon's taking off i guess we'll talk about that now <laughs> it does seem and like be, the way. and i will be angry whether it's good or bad i'll be angry so <laughs> anyway let's talk about something else that made me kind of angry <laughs> it's maguchan kind of destruction chapter 71 the evil god of heart Ren's going to go and rescue Ruru, uh, while meanwhile Izuma confronts Uneris while Magu is also there. And Uneris is calling upon her powers and stuff. Ren comments on the way that things are going and, and stuff, and he's like, I'm pretty sure that Izuma is a lot stronger than we think. So he's like, yeah, I've got some faith in that complete idiot. Um, Uneris comments as Izuma keeps on cutting through the stuff that she summons. I can't maintain my built-in providence because he cuts through all the chaotic power. The magical item I left for him isn't capable of that. Izuma has reached new heights. So she prepares the ceiling gem, uh, but Izuma just slashes diagonally and cuts through it while saying, I won't let you seal him away. I will stick with the justice I believe in. And Uneris says, I see. So that's the path you've chosen as the ceiling gem starts to split apart in the middle. But then we cut to Ren and Putuku coming to save Ruru. They burst through a door and um, Ruru's cooking with Sarah. Yeah, see, there was no danger at all, Nick. Yeah, they're just cooking some miso soup. And they're like, what's going on? Uh, and... Everyone's surprised by the, by this, except Ruru, who's just like, oh, hey, Ren and Nabutakun are here, because she looks on the bright side always. 
And uh, we see the ceiling gem that uh, Izuma cut open was not actually a ceiling gem. It was a, uh, I don't know exactly what you call this, but like a spherical pinata thing. Um, and uh, it uh, unfurls a banner that says, gotcha, on it. Uh, and Inaris goes, surprise! And Magu and Izuma are like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and she's like, ha ha ha, you got punked. Playing the villain is so tiring. And of course, Inaris is just chilling out. Izuma and Magu are like, what's going on? And Inaris says, you've been punked. Literally, she says that. I was never going to seal away Magu-chan. All we did was invite Ruru over for a dinner party. Ren's probably rescuing her like a knight in shining armor right about now, so don't worry. It was all an act! And um, in a very Sukomi jackass moment, Magu just slaps her across the face uh, and then afterwards follows it up with little baby slaps like while saying, you will not get away with such a vile joke! The knight guy in the suit from the Ten Holy Knights says, this is all Neris' idea, but we take responsibility for it. Uh, we want you to unleash your full power in order to know for certain your true intentions. Uh, because they were actually testing everyone to see if they were actually telling the truth in those reports about the Chaos Gods. Basically, Izuma and Neris kept on saying, yeah, things are cool. Nabutaku and Magu and everyone is chill now. And to test that, they captured Rue to see how they would react. And it was by being big old heroes. And so they're like, yeah. So we can we can we can let you be now. We don't have to go and try and capture you and stuff anymore. Uh, Huzzah! And, yeah, and Anaris pats Izuma on the head while going, "You've gotten stronger. You were so impressive." But Izuma is kind of steaming, and he turns away from her, going, "How dare you fool me, evil god!" Anyway, uh, Ruru is just uh, happy to see everyone has made it. Uh, she is let say laid out a table because they're gonna have a little dinner party. Ren still looks confused, which I do appreciate. It's like what 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 what's going on? What's happening? I was going to rescue her. What happened? Uh, Magu is clearly very happy to see Ruru safe and sound. He demonstrates this by jumping onto her head and smacking her with his little little arms. Yeah. Uh, and she says, "Don't go off with strangers like that." And Ruru's like. Sarah's not a stranger because she's friends with everyone. Uh, and then Ren gets pissed off at Uneris. Uh, but Uneris is like, yeah, the Dindavite journals wouldn't believe me, so I had to do this. No, you didn't. Um, but some of the others uh, say, like, okay, it's, 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 uh, you know, we thought that she was lying. Sorry. But the least we can do is apologize. Let us treat these rare guests from afar with a meal. First is the appetizer. The Holy Night Salad. So Naputu goes like, Oh, local delicacies for me to sample. Let's see. It tastes so bad that he spits his own eye out of his mouth. So that's not good. Um, but hey, he decides to cook for them instead. Good for Naputu. He's so good. He's such a good boy. He cooks great, delicious uh, meat for everyone. Um, and uh, we see little snatches of conversation uh between uh you know a couple of different people and then magu sneaks off from the party and heads downstairs into a secret catacomb and uneris has been expecting him uh her true form has been expecting him as he goes inside to see her uh 
And Magu observes that she has shrunk and says that crafting so many magical items over the past several centuries must have drained her power. Uh, and Onera says, you'd probably wipe out my true form about now. I wouldn't blame you for wanting to take revenge on me. And Magu says, so you invited me here knowing that. Why would you go to such lengths to support the likes of the Holy Knights? And Onaris could say something very cool and ominous here. <laughs> but what she says is, I told you, remember? I stand them. And I am surprisingly devoted. You gotta stand something while you still can stand. <laughs> now, to be fair, it does look like she says, I'm surprisingly devoted while presumably surrounded. I, I assume those are gravestones? Of former holy knights. Yeah, that's kind of metal. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but you gotta uh, stand while stand can. Yes. Samagu says, I will pardon my disciples' optimism this one time, but that doesn't mean my anger is sated. Take your punishment! And then he walks up after leaving a sign on her that says, I lied. hey oh, because he's already strung up like Ruru does. And so the Holy Knights and the God of Destruction made peace, and Izuma was once again assigned to his monitoring duties. After their dinner party, our heroes returned to their rural seaside town and back to their normal everyday lives. The end. President Ford coming around the corner there. Look at him, <laughs> waving to the crowd. President Ford's way to reason to bend an old-timey voice he's right. Uh, General Eisenhower <laughs> rolling down the carpet. Gener Gerald Ford. Uh, yeah, I guess he would be. Actually. <laughs> I was like, I don't know when he served. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, okay, so that was the end of the saga of the Holy Knights kidnapping Uruguru. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was something harmless, ultimately, because it is Magu-chan. But there's way too much Uneris in this chapter. <laughs> I will give this chapter some credit. It gave me the panel of Magu-chan bitch-slapping Uneris, <laughs> and I have it saved my phone so I can look at it Anytime I want. <laughs> Nick, it's basically porn to me. <laughs> like anytime, I'm, anytime I'm like, God, I really need something right now, I'll just look at that image and be like, good. And then I can get back to what I was doing. <laughs> All right. I gotta keep going. So, next up is Dr. Stone. It's time to get Stone, Nicholas Freeman. Yeah, that's my last name. Z equals Terra 22, Science Road. So, uh, they're making spacesuit stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, they're developing that, um, and they need vinyl. Um, so, they're going to make vinyl, and uh, Senku says, Hey, uh, we can make some last-minute crafting projects before the moon launch. I can whip up just about anything with vinyl. And there are a whole bunch of different requests that are made, like uh, Yuzuriho wants a washing machine. Uh, Manami wants a video camera. Uh, there is some dude who wants a robot made. Um, you're in the wrong series, my dude. You need to go over to Roboco if you want that. Yeah, they're all the rage right now. Anyway. They're pretty. They're pretty cool. And you get a couple manga references in there. This week was a Toriko reference. 
Yeah, that's but, comfortable. But, but it was back when Torica was kind of good. Oh, okay. So <laughs> good Torica reference. <laughs> uh, Taiju also starts to say a request, but he seems kind of embarrassed about it. So anyway, we start getting kind of a montage of them like preparing uh, stuff. They make a microwave. They make plastic wrap and a washing machine and a video camera and uh, all sorts of stuff. And uh, Taiju finally starts to say something. He's like, what I really want is... And Senka says, a smartphone, right? And he can make a smartphone now, finally. We finally get it. It paid off, Nick. Yeah, 220? When did he bring it up? 218 chapters ago? Yeah, it was he pretty was early on. you wanted it. Really early on. It was just them and Tsukasa, I think, when yeah. he first brought it up. So, uh, But yeah, they can make it. And uh, Senka says, yeah, we're going to make a liquid crystal touchscreen for a smartphone. Uh, and they go through the entire process of making stuff. Uh, and he explains that there is actually you know, a reason that they uh, are going to be making touchscreens, which is to save room when they install a bunch of touchscreens on the spaceship so they don't have buttons and screens and stuff. So there is a practical reason for this, in addition to just making a fucking smartphone. And they make a fucking smartphone. Holy shit. The power source for it and the computer for it are giant and taiju has to wear them on a backpack but he's like it doesn't matter the part you hold in your hand is pocket size <laughs> so you know he looks on everything optimistically and yeah you can play games on it you can use it as a phone all sorts of cool stuff hooray and uh they're making touch screens for their fucking spaceship and they're getting ready they've got all the stuff that they need they've got the spacesuits. they've got the rocket engine they've got the ship uh they've made the cockpit they're going to do it. They're going to go to the fucking moon after starting with a single stone. Um, so next chapter is launch, maybe? I don't, it, it seems like they're ready to go. Yeah, so. it seems like we're moving definitely in that direction. Uh, I like this chapter a lot. Um, normally, especially recently, when Dr. Stone's like, we're going to invent something, it hasn't felt special at all. Um, but because this chapter really kind of felt like a last hurrah to them building things as it's sort of showing how everything they've done is more or less leading to this, to the to the building of spaceships and the engines and their spacesuits, like all of this is their goal. It does really feel like the culmination of everything. Like, oh, wow, we're actually... I really think going to do it now. So it ended up being pretty cool, pretty cool and special to read. The world is burning to the ground. Oh, well, I guess we're going to find out. Let's see how far we've come. I told you a story about how I ended up paying $35 for that song, right? Yes, you did. Okay. Because you like bought it like <laughs> multiple times. No, I bought it once. And then Blockbuster, after I returned the movie, said I didn't, so they charged uh, me the full price of it, and it knocked my account below its total, and then my dollar purchase of iTunes went through, and then I got hit with an overdraft fee for like $30, and I was like, god damn it. Oh. Okay, let's move on to Mashal. Yeah, Nick, let's talk about Mashal Chapter 89, Mash Burn Dead, and the two wands. We get a cover page of Mash winding up for a thing uh, he doesn't do that here he already did the punch he doesn't need to he wind up he looks like he's going to fart there's a lot of speed building up by his butt um 
But he may not necessarily fart. Maybe he is. Maybe he is inhaling that through his butt. His muscles are very strong. I suppose in his defense, according to iShield 21, explosive power comes from the butt. It does. Oh. That And everything iShield said was true. Especially yeah. about uh, um, rain. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so last time, Mash shot a big punch out. Looks like he's gonna knock Rose Quartz. Uh, really send him for a ride. He goes to punch him, and Rose Quartz just says, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, attract." And other dudes' face interferes. I don't know if that character's been named, uh, but yeah, he's been used as a shield. And of course, that guy is understandably like, "What the fuck, Louvis? Why?" And uh, Louvis is just, sorry, not Louvis, Levis is just like, you're actually surprised? Didn't you know? There can only be one winner. Everyone else is using each other. They get to the top. So why wouldn't I? I have but one goal, to rise above all. Do you think I care about how I get there? And other dude is like, oh, it has a flashback to when they first met Louvis. And Levis is just like, I intend to rule this world, but I need your powers to succeed. Will you assist me? Uh, it's, it's like, yeah, when I'm finally on top, all the position open up at the bureau staff waiting just for you. You're not like the others. You belong on the winning team. And the guy's like, you bloody traitor, and gets smashed into the big iron ball, which finally, after three people getting impaled into it, finally takes someone out, presumably. <laughs> Otherwise, that iron ball is the my valentine of... <laughs> fucking national (laughs) hey she beat that guy who used ninjas I guess she did you know what point retract my point Nick my was the best duelist we've ever seen yeah you know she beat Joey one time with when Joey didn't want to duel her it's still probably one of my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! bridge jokes it's just them being like let's run down the impractive track record for this duelist and alright lost against Panic well that's that's to be understood lost against Joey well what are you gonna do surely Taya there should be no no she lost Taya too (laughs) anyway Levis is just like Eh, don't worry. Don't get all moralistic with me now. Besides, it's your fault for believing me, you big dumb idiot. I'd sacrifice my own family if it meant certain victory. And he reveals his second wand, and it's cackling, crackling with electricity. It's cackling with electricity would be cool too. Like, uh, he says, "Life's a competition. There's no room for naive ideals like trust." Got it. Uh, I'm sick of watching you two and your buddy buddy act. Magnets lightning ball. And Mash is like, uh-oh, not magnets again. And they touch Mash. He's like, oh, nothing happened. And then it electrifies him. And he's like, oh, I guess that does suck. And it's like, yeah, my second form of magic is lightning. Touch a magnet and you'll be subjected to a high voltage st- shock. Good luck flinging yourself at me now. And he shoots a bunch of balls. And Mash tries to run for him, but eventually they get him and they electrify him. And it's like, uh-oh, one touch and you're out. This is worse than the spike ball. Mash has literally been twice touched twice by them and is not out. <laughs> I don't know what that sentence would possibly mean. And Dot's like, I don't know how you'll turn this one around, Mash. And Mash makes a perfect 90 degree turn. So the balls head straight into the wall. And it's like, wow, what speed. But it's so good. They just shoot back out. And the chase is on. And Mash takes off his shoe. 
and he just starts swinging it around and he gathers up all the balls while the entire time Dot's just watching going uh, uh. <laughs> and Mash hammer tosses them <laughs> out of the building <laughs> using his shoe to hold them in <laughs> I think that what does make it is Dot's reaction to it because he's just like Uh, Rose Quartz just notes like oh did he know his shoelaces would act as an insulator he stopped my technique without even touching me he's actually and Mesh interrupts uh, Levis' thinking and says can I talk to you for a second you said it's the other guy's fault for not believing you but everyone knows that lying is the real jerk move. Idiot. <laughs> and, uh... Well, feels like he's gonna teach him this. Yeah. And, uh, that's the end of the chapter. Rose Quartz just says, this is getting fun. It was a silly match solution to a seemingly insurmountable problem. He gathered them up in his shoe and threw them away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is an amusing way to solve the problem. I'll, I'll give him that. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the elusive samurai. Uh, so, um, things are not going well now all of a sudden because Shokan, the bandit leader from several arcs ago, showed up leading a surprise attack for the mountains and attacking uh, the good allied forces from the rear. And uh, the they do not react well. People are getting cut down, being pushed forward into everyone else. And there's a moment of panic as Genba and Kojiro and Tokyuki just have to flee from the from the battle uh, very quickly. And uh, there is narration explaining that, you know, when attacked by surprise from the rear like this, you know, few people can maintain their composure. And that panic just breeds more panic among the attacked. And it's common for a smaller force to be able to disperse a far larger one. You know, like... A, but a herd of animals is attacked, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, as Kojiro beckons to Tokyuki saying that they need to flee, he spots Shokan. And they stare each other down uh, briefly. And uh, Kojiro's like, ah, oh, that guy. We couldn't find his body, so I was afraid of this. Which, I mean, I guess good for you that you, you're not completely shocked by this. It's like, well, we didn't find his body, so maybe he's still out there. Yeah, it turns out I was right. Cool, so... Uh, Shokan starts explaining that uh, this battle began in three different locations, and so he analyzed the whole thing and figured out that the final battle would occur on the fourth day of combat, and so I spent three days traversing the mountains and took intelligence on the Kokushi's secret weapon into account. It would not be decisive, but would serve as an amusing distraction. But I do really like that someone who knew what they were doing was just like, yeah, sure, Kokushi, <laughs> you go out there and be an asshole for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, and that actually served to help him to secretly traverse the mountains because everyone was just like, look at that giant fucking asshole over there. Let's pay attention to that. Uh, and uh, he says, yeah, I after this, my forces advanced suddenly and uh, launched a surprise attack. Choju Marodono, this is military strategy. And Tokyuki's like, military strategy, which in his defense, he is nine. So I understand that he doesn't understand this immediately and needs this guy to explain it to him in very simple over-the-top terms. Uh, but yeah, he says, yeah, you you can flit around, you can beat a minor commander and defend a village, 
But if you can't read the shifts in a major conflict, you will never achieve any grand aims. You should have learned the art of war from Kusunoki Dono. Unfortunately, you didn't. Now go be a good boy and die. And uh, they get on their horses and run away from him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that happens. Uh, Samura comes up and uh, says, well done, Shokan. Your stratagem worked perfectly. And I seize this moment to break their defenses. Now we will press on and rout Shinomiya. And we see a map of how things are unfolding. The, you know, the forces are kind of like moving about in terms of who is where. Uh, and Tokyuki is left to just consider the fact that, you know, this single warrior basically has reversed the entire course of the battle. And this is war. This is strategy. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes. It, it, yeah, uh, it, 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 it covered it nicely, I think. The military leaders are left to try and adapt to this situation. Uh, Tokyuki apologizes to Shinomiya, uh, saying, I'm sorry that I didn't notice earlier. And he just says in response, oh, come on, a warrior can't leave everything to children. The only thing that uh, that concerns me now is how to manage the defeat. Much like Koshina's men before, my retainers will be reluctant to abandon their land. But if they turn and fight, death is certain. Uh, so left to think about that. Uh... All of a sudden, Mochizuki comes in. And, um, um, okay, so there are certain things that I understand are, like, more effective weapons when wielded from horseback. You know, the daikatana, uh, halberds, really, really big spears and lances, a tree. Uh, apparently he's very effective when used from horseback. <laughs> I've, for some reason, I'm, I'm more like, Huh, he swung a tree from horseback more than I am. He swung a tree. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, he has arrived to help uh, turn the tide a bit. He says he has a message for all of Shinomiya's fighters from the three generals saying, Flight is the path to victory. I will buy time for you to retreat into Hoshina's territory, and the day will come when Suomyojin rises. You must live on in expectation of that day. And this inspires everyone to take the proper course and to save their lives so that they can fight again another day. And, uh, yeah, everyone kind of gathers up to do that. Um, Kojiro points out that, hey, Mochizuki before was up in the north. Now he's in the center. And Ayaka says, oh, yeah, when my father heard about, the re about my report, he just scoffed and he rode out. And Mochizuki says, yeah, the enemy was so lackluster in the center that I worried that I might be planning a shocking upset. And um, he tosses the tree casually over his shoulder, like you do. Um, so the basically final score is we never really had much of a chance of winning this battle because Yoroshige can't show open opposition. They couldn't be here in full force. Uh, and in case of defeat, both Inukai and Tokoiwa have orders to hide in the mountains where Yoroshige has prepared supplies and lodging. This was just a preliminary skirmish Yorishige-sama's goal is to minimize casualties and further unite the Sua sect. And so Tokyuki is like, okay, so Yorishige's actually really got a really huge long-term plan. It's completely different from what Shokan was planning out before. And we, of course, were told at the beginning of all this, this would be the last skirmish before the actual conflict took place. So this, I guess, is more just like a preview of things to come. 
we did get to know the generals and we were reintroduced to Shokan and got to see that, hey, Sun Moody and everyone are actually really, really, really scary when they need to be. So, oh, and Mochijiki says that uh, in your devotion to the suicide, you've been riding all day and night, earning the admiration of all here. And in the next big battle, we, the people of Shinano, vow to offer you our full cooperation. So this was also valuable for Tokiyuki because when he reveals himself, they're going to be like, oh, hey, there was that guy who was running around doing all that stuff. Yes, I will follow him. So mm. there was a lot of military strategy talk in this chapter. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, the moment it started happening, my mind was like, you know, what would make this a lot easier is if all these units were squished down to like singular characters and then they were given classes like cavalier and swordsmaster and mage. And then you gave them like anime characters to like kind of like show off that. And then like sometimes you had to recruit. I wanted this to be Fire Emblem. Like if it did and, that. Uh, the longer they're around each other, yeah. the more that they have support conversations. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you had to have them next to each other for fucking years <laughs> before the, the, the whole start talking to each other. Uh, but that's where you get some and, of the really uh, good ones. Occasionally, Tokyuki just completely changes his hairstyle all of a sudden because he had a conversation with one unit and they, uh, you know, establish some stuff. But then his hair goes back to normal the next chapter. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, like, so I can recognize there are cool things happening, but I am not a fan of like when it gets into the dense military strategy. It wasn't even that dense, but like any of it, just like no. my mind glazes over and I'm just like, I feel like I'm at school again. Just like you, you're not gonna trick me into learning elusive samurai. I mean, it's technically been a historical fiction story the entire time, but I see your point. <laughs> but I'm dumb enough to not know the historical story, you know? Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, in particular, when you get down to the point of. Oh my God! The stra the the moment of battle changed. Why? He led, he went through the mountains and attacked us from behind. Oh. Strategy. <laughs> it was it was a good strategy. Now it all works out. Uh, Nick, let's wrap up this week by talking about Black Clover. Yes. yes, Black Clover three sixteen uh, slash of the unchosen. And uh, it looks like Lucifero is going to win. The Black Bull headquarters is disintegrating to pieces. Uh, the other heroes are, are down for the count. The gravity is weighing them down. We even see Yami struggling to not be sort of consumed by Lucifero's form. It looks like they're all done. But we cut over to Asta who says, If Sabretooth and I try, we might be able to get the captains out without hurting you or hurting them. And every member of the Black Bulls turns to Asta and shouts, we're counting on you all at once, which is a lot of coordination for that. And great. there's a lot it's of clumsy a, people in there. We have, it's great when we have this diverse cast of characters with, you know, very different appearances and, uh, you know, quirks and stuff so that they can all just say the same line. Not to pull it back to Fire Emblem, but you know, I know what my favorite part of Fire Emblem is, is like right before you go into oh. the big final battle and every one of your units 
instead of showcasing a line that establishes some measure of their personality, all just look to you and be like, you can do it. And they all say that every single one of them in a row. Except they do the opposite. They do the thing where you show off personality of their characters. Uh, yeah. Look, there's a lot of personality being shown off by the fact that they're making different gestures with their hands. Sort of, yeah. Uh, the main one is Finroll, who grabs Asta and teleports him away. And that's why Asta was really, really far away when we were like, oh, wasn't Asta just with everybody else? Hey, makes sense. They have a spatial mage with them. Uh I have a problem with Zora getting in on this, not just because it's getting in on the whole we believe in you thing, but the fact that he got in on a group line at all. Like, you know, he's too much of an asshole to coordinate that with everyone. Yeah. So, uh, so we cut over to Asta and he thinks uh, they say we're carrying on you and we won't let you down. So Asta's like, we can cut something like that, right? Sabretooth's like, yeah, we could do it. We're gonna in order to rescue Captain Yami and avenge the city, the city, uh, listen, uh, the lady. We're not going to let you into this world, Lucifero. The 30-minute interval is up. Devil Union, Fourth Sword, Demon Slasher. And they think we weren't chosen by mana. And so, when they raise their blade to the air, we'll make our own choices as they slash Demon Slasher, Infinite Slash, Equinox, and it slices clean through Lucifero all the way through. And Lucifero starts splitting apart. And everyone's like, whoa, what the crap? And all the stuff inside Lucifero is like disintegrating. But we see William Vanchance and Yami falling from the monster. And we cut back to Ast, who says, Demon Slasher chooses what to cut. It's a katana that doesn't cut what it wants to protect. And Yami thinks back to all of his moments with Asta. And Nature Boy Ric Flair thinks about all of his moments with Asta. And the two of them in unison, in different locations, say, You really did it this time, Asta. It's great that these two very different characters just said and thought the same thing in the same moment. But his sword chooses what to cut now, Nick. Whatever, I don't care about that. <laughs> can it, can, uh, <laughs> this Nick, is Are you okay, but Look, it's just this just kind of reminds me why I'm never going to vibe with Black Clover on the whole because this is such a Black Clover chapter that I did not care an ounce for, but that I'm sure was a great finale for a lot of people who cared about it. And I'm just over here like, okay, cool. So <laughs> good time. It was kind of sad to be brought back to this point after we had quite a few moments in not too long ago chapters where I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool character development focus on people who aren't asta and uh we had some cool conclusions to stuff and now it's like all right we had a megazord battle and then asta swung his sword once and killed the thing because yeah. he has a sword that that does whatever he wants it to but he wasn't chosen by mana neck 
He just no. He, he just happened. He wasn't chosen by Vanna. He just happens to have the best assortment. He has four scales, and all four of them are the fucking best in his slot. Basically, I want everyone to look at the two-page spread where Asta has summoned his new Devil Union form, where he is surrounded by black energy and has cool wing slash scarf trails trailing around him, and he has horns and claws. And just know he can't use magic. He can't. A completely non-magical person in this fantasy world okay so yeah i've i don't have the energy to hate this <laughs> i just don't care for it i so. feel like i need to give you a hug or something you seem you seem sad for me I have also just been a little bit distracted for the past day ish so okay. i'm sure that this isn't all that but i did th- 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 yeah, it, okay. I'm a little bit bummed out writing on this chapter because this is, yeah, okay. Do, <laughs> All right. Do you want me to just tell Ninja right now to put it in for your chapter of the week, though? Hang on. Is, was there a chapter that was good enough that I would actually <laughs> object to doing that for the lols? Um, you had to like Undead Unlock um, a little bit. Ah. Uh, Oh man, Under the Look is just like the runaway actually good chapter this week. There was not a lot of really good stuff. <sighs> no, I'm not I don't I don't do troll picks uh, uh, for, for, for that. Yeah, we don't do troll here. picks on this podcast. <laughs> as I look up like two weeks ago when I picked Buko as my chat of a character of the week. Nabutiku last Nabutiku was last week because he won the popularity poll. We both picked that. That was sincere on my part, I'll have you know. That was sincere love for our boy. <laughs> I'm very proud of him. Um yeah, anyway. I'm okay. Right. I, 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 I'm sure the real villain will show up now. So I am a little bit in, interested to see how that turns out. Yes. So. Uh, I will say, because I assume we're moving into MVP at this point. Um, so. My chapter of the week, I'm going to give to Dr. Stone. I said, I really, really like this chapter. Dr. Stone is a way to kind of give closure to all of the inventions that the series has been doing for a very long time, starting all the way with a single stone to rocket ships it's a pretty cool visual i really like that timeline it was a very very cool moment uh yeah i'm i'm going to give mine to undead unluck because it was fun all the way through someone in the chat actually has pointed out that those two chapters featured the main characters doing giant slashes with swords to really huge targets and um undead unlux was way more satisfying so there you go that is fair you're not wrong yeah uh, it's not, that happens at the same time. <laughs> so I think for my character of the week, I'm going to give it to Billy in lieu of really knowing anybody else to give it to. <laughs> I kind of considered Asta, but no. But no. I will give mine. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Aoyama. I felt for him okay. in this chapter. I can so, take that. I can take that. I, mean, I We were meant to feel sympathy for him, and I felt sympathy for him. So I will go with that. All right. Uh, by the way, the audience picked Undead Unluck as their chapter of the week. 
cool. And Jinchio from Do 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 as their character of the week. Ron. Okay, so. That's going to do, everyone, for Weekly Manga Recap. But stay tuned, because there is a choice for another manga that we will be taking as a recommendation coming up soon. We want to thank everyone for joining us here on Weekly Manga Recaps, uh, twitch.tv slash where we do the live stream of the show, Wednesdays, usually starting around 7.30 Eastern time. But to stay updated on when exactly the show goes live, you can also follow the hosts and the official podcast account on social media, at RolloT, at NickFTime, at Podcast or where to go to follow that stuff. You can also join us on our Discord server where we have conversations about the recommendation series that we're talking about, the chapters of the recap series as they come out, uh, and just other fun general stuff, including game nights that happen multiple times per week. Fun. Yes. Uh, we- also want to thank people who help make this show what it is. Those who support us on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can find bonus content that we make, uh, including a very special top 10 slash top 10. It's two top 10s in one uh, that uh, will be. Uh, is it up uh, currently? On Yes. There? The top 10 recommendations yes. podcast is up. Yes. Go through the very best and worst that we have put ourselves through on this show. Apparently, I got very controversial for one of mine. Okay. I don't know. People in the Discord had a discussion about it. Okay. I'll check that out later. Uh, So, um, beyond that, uh, we also want to thank Steve Mann, our occasional tile cars. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including his own Twitter account, Steve Mann Art. You can also check out those... uh, tile cards on our youtube channel youtube.com slash weekly recap where the video versions of the show are posted uh and you can also see the opening sequence made for us by Wednesday jail cheddar and milo jack stillitz and uh also discord use that and find the google doc maintained by ninja x3i because that is how we keep track of everything like you know the stuff that we've done over the past 10 years because I can't remember all of it. It's too much. Uh, but, you know, someone had this great idea that if it was written down, we could reference it and remember it. And that's also where we keep track of recommendations. So if you have a recommendation that you want to say, hey, I'd like you guys to check it out, you can go on there. And uh, if someone else has already recommended it, you can just add your name onto it saying, hey, I want you to check this out. That is one of the ways that we uh, pick out series that uh, we're going to check out in the future like so uh we're we're coming to the end of the year uh there's only i think one actual episode of the podcast left this left this year because i there's usually a break for the holidays uh so i imagine we won't see one right there uh so in lieu of that in lieu of trying to squeeze another like one week uh series in i was like all right we can pick something a little bit longer with the idea being you know we have some time so I decided let's let's start off 2022 on what I believe is a good note. Uh, Artosh recommended this. We're going to be taking a look at Liar Game. Oh, dear. You seem you're gonna nervous. Bleed, you're going to be bleeding on cards and stuff. So They do. They do all that sort of stuff in it. 
All right, I feel like this one's been a long time coming. So okay. Yeah, I think I I I think I may have recapped a couple chapters of this way back in the day, and then I stopped reading it because I don't know. I, it was in the middle of like one of the longest games of the thing, and it was coming out very rarely. So I was like, every time a new chapter came, it's like I've forgotten everything that's fucking happened at this point. <laughs> that won't be a problem though. We can yeah. read it all in the course of a few months. Yep. A few weeks, not a few months. A few weeks. <laughs> a few months. A few weeks. Whatever. Who's here to stop us, Nick? We can do whatever we want. I guess we could. Yeah. They don't have power you know over us. No more manga on the manga podcast, guys. Uh, We're just going to talk about Toast Crumbs. Oh. Does, is, did you say Toast Crumbs because you looked and you had Toast Crumbs on your desk? No. <laughs> They're on a plate on my desk. Okay. How was the toast that birthed them? The plate's been there a while. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> put that in the watch. <laughs> just like a big moss pad on top of them. You're just like, you know what? I'm starting to think I made that plate might have been in here when we moved in. <laughs> It's looking at me weird. It's never looked at me like that before. It's like, I've revealed too much about myself. No one must know. Everyone forgets you heard that. All right. Goodbye, everybody.